Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everyone. I hope that you're having a wonderful day so far. I really tend to overthink these intros and don't really know what to say. Today, I've tried a couple of times to do my intro, and so instead of focusing too much on that, we're just going to get into it. Today, I'm drinking an iced matcha latte. Nothing nothing super new here. And I have a few little life updates. I've been really enjoying updating you on what I'm reading, what I'm listening to. I love talking about that stuff and I've gotten some good feedback about those little mini segments. So I'm going to continue that. Okay. So last week I mentioned a couple of things. One, we were looking for a new show to watch. And number two, I had kept seeing everything everywhere all at once on TikTok and online, just people talking about it and how good it was and how you need to see it. And so I, first of all, when it comes to series, me and Jamie, my partner, we started a new series. I had seen this one also quite a lot online. It's Killing Eve. Now this is kind of more of a, I guess, suspense drama type thing it's not necessarily a comfort show and I had mentioned that I was looking for a comfort show so that's not necessarily meeting that criteria but it is really enjoyable and I do always love a crime series and then back to the movie I for the very first time actually went to the movies by myself yesterday which you may have seen I made a little vlog on TikTok and I saw every everything everywhere all at once i think that's the name i always get paranoid that i'm not calling it the right thing yes i just double checked and i was right but also just a little disclaimer if i ever get the titles of things wrong it's funny last week i was recording and i mentioned that i'm reading the book six of crows but i called it the complete wrong thing so i had to like retroactively go back and re-record over that part and it was really weird because i couldn't get my voice to sound exactly how it sounded when i filmed or recorded that part anyways all that to say if I ever get the names wrong of things please don't hold me to that and yeah so anyways back to the movie I went by myself which I had mentioned on TikTok also to be honest was a pretty I guess a pretty big deal for me because well for a couple of reasons first of all I've spoken about this in the series that I do on TikTok which is that generally there are certain things more specifically active hobbies like 
trying skiing and skateboarding and things like that that I find really embarrassing to do, especially when I'm not particularly skilled at them. So that's kind of been the focus of the series, but then I've also kind of morphed it into just doing things in public that I was previously too embarrassed to do alone or even hadn't really thought of doing by myself. And I have been trying to coordinate seeing this movie with First, it was a couple of friends, but then we went away and they ended up seeing it. And then it was my partner, but he is actually doing this really intense coding course right now, which is basically consuming all of his time. So I just decided I'd go by myself and I went during the day yesterday and there were so few people in the theater. It was lovely. And then the other reason that it was kind of a big deal for me was I've spoken before about my panic attacks and particularly panic attacks in enclosed spaces. I couldn't really tell you why that started happening, but that started happening to me late university, I guess. And the term that is often used for this is agoraphobia. Essentially, things that would cause me panic would be being in a situation where I felt like I could potentially be embarrassed or, you know, not be able to escape. Those were the primary characteristics of that experience and it would be really exacerbated by being in in an enclosed space for some reason that's really hard for me to say um and so for a long time the movies were something that I really avoided anything like where I was sitting in sort of like I said an enclosed space but surrounded by other people I would always have to be at the end of the row in order to kind of have an escape route and I really didn't realize how many other people experienced this and so anyways I have really healed from that experience a lot however a lot of that healing has occurred during a time where I haven't actually needed to go to those types of environments. So over the course of COVID, I wasn't necessarily going to the theater or going to different spaces where I was going to be in that situation. I was mainly at home. So this was actually my first time going to the theater by myself and my first time going to the theater since COVID and since having experienced these really bad panic attacks. So I wasn't really sure how it would go, but it was really lovely and I loved it. And I actually like was just watching some of the previews. They were just, you know, the random previews that they play, commercials and stuff. And I honestly started to kind of have an emotional moment with myself of being really proud of myself. And although it may not seem very big of a deal to some people for those of us who have experienced something like this this intense panic and it really gets to the point where it's really debilitating for your day-to-day routine this was a really nice experience for me and it really just helped to reaffirm where I'm at and how far I've come on my journey and so that was a really lovely experience and then of course the movie itself was lovely beautiful I was very, very confused at first, and it was one of those movies where I was like, okay, am I going to have to watch this another few times in order to fully understand it? And I think the answer is probably yes. I think I would appreciate watching it again, kind of like Shutter Island vibes where you get different insight once you know how it ends. But honestly, aside from that, it was just really beautiful and... I was crying for a lot of the movie and I had to sit in my car after. I can't really describe why there's just this quality to it that really 
hits you and makes you realize all of the ways in which tiny decisions that we make inform our life path and yeah anyways I would highly recommend watching it to kind of understand what I mean because it's I just find it hard to describe and I remember before I saw the movie my friend had mentioned this that it was good in a way that she couldn't describe so yeah if you're into that type of thing I would definitely recommend checking it out and I've kind of gone down a rabbit hole after of like quantum leaping and timeline jumping because it it seemed like such a cool idea and I've heard a little bit about this before in the spirituality space and it's just something that I find so fascinating and interesting and I'm definitely interested in learning more so I'll keep you posted on that. Besides that, I don't really have any new updates with respect to books or anything like that. I'm still reading The Six of Crows, which is basically like this young adult series. And the beginning was kind of hard to get into. It reminds me of Game of Thrones in that the author doesn't really introduce characters or like names or places. They just kind of jump right in. And I remember in Game of Thrones, it probably took me half of the first book to understand what was going on at all and this book I would say is sort of similar in that way but I'm kind of starting to get it I would say I'm about 20% through so if you are reading that book I know I saw so many good reviews about it and in the first couple chapters I was not sure but now I'm kind of hooked another thing that I kind of like when podcasters do is when they have segments in their show things that they kind of check up on each week and I knew I wanted to do a segment on the topic of shame and just talking through things that are you know on my mind right now because I do find that whenever I'm vulnerable about something like this there's kind of two benefits number one it takes some of the charge off of it for me and then number two it really helps to normalize it and open up conversations and then I get dms and I start having conversations with people about it and it's almost like the shame that I initially had really lessens and sometimes completely goes away okay so I'm going to beta test the term talk of shame it's kind of like walk of shame but we're just going to talk about things that we're ashamed of now I can't guarantee that I'm going to keep it this way I'll see how I feel about it in the future but something you should know about me is I have mentioned this before I'm always evolving when something doesn't feel good anymore I'll naturally let it go so if I decide to change the name please don't be surprised okay so for today's talk of shame I want to talk about two things that are on my mind right now The first one is about my mentality towards exercise. I've spoken a few times about how I've been on a journey to healing my relationship with exercise and not having such a, I guess, forceful, punitive approach to exercise. And although I have this mindset now that is so much healthier for me and I know so many of you resonate with, I guess I still feel a little bit of shame about not being one of those people who is super interested in, you know, progress at the gym and pushing yourself and gains and all that kind of thing. I do not care. I want to be functionally fit, I guess, in the sense that I want to be able to perform all of the activities of my day-to-day life without getting tired. I want to be able to eventually, 
you know, chase kids around and be able to keep up with them and just be able to like functionally perform the activities of my day-to-day easily and keep my body healthy in that way. And I also want to be able to get the mind-body benefits and the mental health benefits of moving my body and exercise. However, I do not care about being able to lift more weight or being able to do harder things. It just doesn't matter to me and it never has. I really just enjoy exercise for the sake of exercising. And don't get me wrong, I do understand the sense of satisfaction when you can do more, but that's just not my goal at all. And it's I I find that it's hard to articulate that without people being judgmental, even though it's literally my choice how I move my body. I posted something the other day where I basically said that I've started to realize that I'm an adult and when I go to the gym or exercise, there's no one sitting in the corner with a stopwatch, you know, timing me and saying how hard I have to push myself. I get to decide based on how I feel during that day. I quite often used to think that people would judge me for only going for, say, 20-30 minutes, but I just realized that so few people are actually paying attention and really it's just my own insecurity about you know, not going for long enough or whatever it may be. And so anyways, I posted that video and I just got this one comment that was like, well, you don't care about pushing yourself. What's the point of even going? And, you know, my initial feeling whenever I get these types of comments is to be defensive. And so I just want to share this in case this is a mentality that is toxic to you. We all have every right to exercise in the way that we want to. And for me, the alternative was not exercising at all because I have taken the approach of pushing myself every single time to the point of exhaustion. And because I was, you know, really hating my body and going to the gym from that place to change it and to look different. And what works for me is to soften up on that approach and just allow myself to do whatever I want to do in that moment. But the reason I'm sharing this is because I still do encounter people with that mentality that I still feel a little bit of shame about being that way. And so I just wanted to share that in case anybody else feels that the way that you want to move your body is perfectly valid. And for those listening who do resonate more with really pushing yourself hard every time you go and going for a certain period of time, this is not a criticism towards you. It's simply recognizing that we can all have different approaches and we shouldn't be pressuring people to work out in a certain way or, you know, do it our way. We should just be celebrating even being able to show up because for some people that's actually quite a feat, myself included. The next little speaking point in this segment is this idea of allowing ourselves to evolve and pivot. I talk about this all the time, but for some reason there's such a stigma towards changing our mind, especially when we're in sort of a public-facing space. I know for me, for example, doing social media and you know, putting myself out there in different ways, I quite often feel embarrassed when I change my perspective on things or I don't follow through on certain things. But part of my journey has been allowing myself to do that and allowing myself to pull my energy out of things that I just know within me are not resonating. And it doesn't mean that I won't come back to them. 
but there's this idea that we have to be so consistent and so you know, stick to whatever it was that we started off with that I think can actually be quite limiting in a sense. And so anyways, the specific situation I'm talking about, I really, really don't like doing email marketing and I personally don't really like receiving email marketing. Now, because I do work in digital marketing as a freelancer on the side, I understand the value and I know it's a tried and true method. However, I think when I started my own thing, I wanted to really do it my own way. I think I've always been that type of person and I wanted to show myself that it was possible to do it in my own way. And I always talk about allowing yourself to be expanded by other people. And anyways, long story short, I've been feeling the friction with my email marketing for quite some time now. First of all, I don't like doing it, like I already said. But second of all, I felt like my approach was not really authentic. And I've spoken about this before about this balance of trying to find your own voice, but also still trying to support yourself. And, anyways, it's just not something that I am loving at this time and feels good to me. And I would rather invest my energy into things that do feel really good also at the same time i just wasn't really getting a lot of feedback from that particular channel in that you know i when i show up on tiktok and when i show up on the podcast and different platforms i feel like it's a very reciprocal relationship and i really enjoy that collaboration and that communication that i have with the community however with email i just kind of feel like it's sometimes talking into a void and i don't really like doing that so anyhow if you are on the email list and if you've subscribed I'm not saying that it's going to go away altogether. It's simply that I don't know where I'm going with it and I'm allowing myself to put that on pause for now. And interestingly enough, I did a poll on Instagram to see if you like receiving email marketing or just emails in general. And it was like 70% said no. And this isn't just for me. I just meant like email marketing emails as a whole. Sometimes I do this thing where I feel like I already have the answer for myself, but I need to validate that through what other people think. And so yeah, that was definitely reflected on Instagram. If I were to have put that poll out and you all really loved it and it was something that you really looked forward to, maybe it would be different. But at this time, I just am allowing myself to put even more energy into this podcast because I love it so much and into my content. Sometimes that can feel like a failure to pivot away from things that you had high hopes for or that you put a lot of energy into, but you just never know what that's going to become. And I gave the example on my Instagram stories that I, I guess, a couple years ago started off initially on YouTube. And when I tell you it was crickets, I am not lying. I did it for like a year or maybe two. I don't remember exactly how long. And then eventually I was like, okay, let's just see what it's like to try a different form of social media because I thought YouTube was going to be my thing. And then I tried TikTok and I allowed myself to let go of YouTube and I don't do that anymore. And I may at some point in the future, but that reinvestment of energy ended up being a really good decision. So that's my little talk of shame segment. And now let's transition into the episode. So today we're going to be talking about this idea of putting yourself into a box. We're going to talk about 
why we do this, how we do it, and the different ways that we do this to ourselves and others do it to us, and what kind of happens to our creativity and our spirit when we do. I also asked you guys on Instagram for your thoughts, so I'm going to share those as per usual as well. So what got me thinking on this topic was a couple of years ago, I did a mindfulness course. And in the beginning of the course, he talked about how when we integrate more of a mindful perspective, we open up to multiple points of view and a more broad sense of self we don't use labels as much to restrict us but rather to allow ourselves to find a sense of purpose perhaps or identity but we don't necessarily hold ourselves hostage to the spoken or unspoken rules of being in a certain category or a certain label or a identity. When we think about the visual of being in a box and putting ourselves in a box through the way that we label ourselves or through the way that we identify or through our upbringing or however it was brought on, there is a sense of safety and comfort in that. Even just thinking about that visually, we can feel safe by being contained within the box or you know, within these boundaries of what's possible for us and what we can identify as. And it also helps us to relate to others and to connect with others because we have that sense of shared experience. And another piece of it that I've noticed for myself is when we put people in boxes, when we put other people in boxes or even ourselves, there's a series of automatic assumptions or behaviors that we have towards those people, if that makes sense. It's a lot easier to say, oh, that person is this, and here's the whole set of characteristics that must come along with that, than it is to actually get to know the nuance of someone's personality and their behavior and not automatically jump to that conclusion. I do think that it's a understandable thing for us to do because it just requires less mental energy to have to really sit and reflect and think on people's behavior and their perspectives and it definitely requires a lot more patience and time and compassion to actually see outside of this box that we've placed them in but I do think it's worthwhile to examine the ways in which we even put ourselves into a box and the extent to which that is supporting us and making us feel safe and allowing us to connect with others and then on the other hand how it is limiting our ability to move beyond those perceived constraints if that makes sense and also to do the same for others and just get to know each other a little bit better beyond the automatic assumptions that we make about each other. The internet, I would say, is definitely a difficult place to have these types of nuanced conversation, which means that quite often wide-sweeping statements about certain identities or certain characteristics are made, and then I think we can internalize those judgments, if you will, and it can almost become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think we do this to ourselves oftentimes without even noticing. If we're told enough times that we are a certain way by our caretakers when we're young, by our peers, by society in general, we 
are likely to eventually internalize that idea of ourselves. And so this process of being able to move beyond these limitations and allow ourselves to think a little bit more expansively about ourselves and others, it can be challenging, especially when we've been told that this is the way that we are for our entire lives. So ultimately, we are moving out of automatic assumptions about ourselves and others and it does require questioning those assumptions that we have about ourselves and asking ourselves whether that's really true and seeing if it's something that actually is limiting us and if so how can we move beyond it. I want to get a little bit more specific about what I mean by this and how we do this in different ways. So I think that through different facets of our identity, like I mentioned before, we can find safety and comfort in that and we can find that we can relate to others through these different facets of our identity. However, like I mentioned, Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There comes a certain point where whether it's our upbringing or experiences that we've had or our culture or our career path, we start to put ourselves kind of into a pigeonhole and we may begin to realize that that doesn't resonate so much anymore and certain parts of that don't resonate. So this kind of may seem a little bit silly, but one that I think I've talked about before that it just, it just has made me feel a little bit uneasy for a long time is appearance and aesthetic and how we feel that we need to classify ourselves into one certain category. For example, are we outdoorsy? Are we girly? Are we um, androgynous? Are we XYZ? Any number of things and the list goes on. And we feel 
at least from my perspective, a little bit less comfortable with allowing ourselves to be a little bit of everything and also allowing it to change and evolve over time. I think this is a very social experience where from my perspective, I feel a lot more accepted and included into a certain group if I'm following the unspoken kind of qualities of that group. So a good example of this is when I moved to Vancouver, I was very self-conscious because first of all, I thought I was in good shape, but compared to people here, I felt very far behind. And a lot of folks here, as you're probably aware of, are into hiking and biking and swimming and all of the sports to a really high degree. And I'm into those things up to a certain extent. But when I first got here, I felt like in order to make friends and be accepted and kind of fit in, I had to shift my identity to enjoy all of those things and to dress in that way. And I felt kind of out of place when I would want to dress differently, if that makes sense. And it's not to say that everyone here dresses in one certain way. It just so happens that I kind of latched on to that identity and felt like I needed to be that type of person and then wouldn't really allow myself to think outside of that. So from an aesthetic perspective, I thought that I had to wear all of the outdoorsy brands and, you know, the very granola type look. And this made me feel just generally uneasy because for a long time, I guess something that even before moving to Vancouver, I have been interested in things like getting my hair done and doing my nails and I guess more traditionally girly activities. But when I'm immersed in these types of environments, for some reason, I feel guilty about that and I feel silly. And part of me does recognize that there must be some sort of internalized like patriarchy that says that I have to look a certain way in order to be desirable, etc. But even since I was a little girl, I loved makeup and I loved doing my nails. And and this might be a really silly example, but I'm basically trying to explain the way in which I have over the years tried to pigeonhole myself into one specific aesthetic and have never fully felt like I fit into any one category. And this experience that we're talking about of kind of stepping beyond the limitations that we've put in place for ourselves means that you know what? I can wear whatever I want. I don't have to be one specific aesthetic. I can be a hiker and enjoy, you know, doing outdoorsy things, but I can also enjoy getting my nails done and wearing makeup. And it's really up to me to decide that. Another big way we can do this and something that I find myself doing quite often is through one of the biggest parts of our lives, which is our career path. And You know, when we go down one certain path thinking that we need to subscribe to every single thing about that and be a certain type of person, a good example of this would be I went to school for business and I really never felt like I fit in to that environment. I felt very capable and competent, but there were so many things that I was either told explicitly or that I was kind of watching my peers do that I didn't personally feel like I wanted to do or that I felt like I really fit into. So for example, a huge thing in business school, this isn't so much a identity thing, it's more of an activity which many people might enjoy and 
it brings them pleasure. But it's kind of this unspoken thing that if you're in business school, you must be going to networking events. And first of all, I really don't like dressing up in that way. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Networking events sounds like the last thing on earth that I want to do. But it just seemed to be this, once again, unspoken thing about being in that world that you have to be a certain type of cookie cutter person and want a certain type of career path and want your career path to look a certain type of way and have a specific set of interests, etc. And what I will say, going back to the networking thing, I've always been someone that has been determined to do things in my own way and I did not want to go to networking events and I can tell you that I got a job with no problem. In fact, I got a job in third year of university before I had even graduated. So it's just to say that if you feel yourself really not resonating with something about a certain category that you are in or that you've identified with to be able to at the very least call into question and I'm not suggesting that this is true for every single thing but just being able to call into question whether or not you resonate with that and whether it's something that is going to support you in your path or if it's something that you are just forcing yourself to do because you've been told that that's how you have to do it. And this isn't really the same, but it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier in the talk of shame segment about email marketing and how I am someone who is really immersed in that world of digital marketing. And it's such a If you're in that world, you know what I mean, but this could probably apply to any career path. I know someone mentioned to me the other day that they just did a Bachelor of Science and it was very much an expectation that they would go on to do a research position, but that just wasn't their interest. For me, being in the world of digital marketing, like I said, there's just a whole set of unspoken rules. I remember doing a job assessment or... Like I had to self-assess and give myself basically a grade. I can't remember exactly how it was. But one of the characteristics that I had, and this is when I was in full-time digital marketing, one of the things I had to rank myself on was how much I read and researched about digital marketing related topics outside of work. And I had to talk to my boss and say, listen, that's not my interest. Like I'll do it at work and I'll do it well, but I'm not going home and reading stuff about digital marketing. This is so random, but I remember being in a mastermind and it was all men. I was the only woman and they were talking about different books and resources. And when I say like, I have not read that many books about business and digital marketing simply because I'm not doing that on my free time. Like I just don't want to. But they had mentioned the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And I remember the guy saying, oh, if you if you haven't read that, I don't even know why you're on this call. And I'm just sitting there like, hmm. And yet I can still participate and be a very valid and valuable contributor to the conversation. I don't allow these unspoken and spoken limitations to dictate how successful I'm going to be in a certain domain. It does require a little bit more trust and a little bit more faith in yourself and your own intuition and your own self-worth to say to yourself that you're worthy of being successful in a certain domain without following XYZ set of rules. Obviously, within reason, I know that, you know, let's say you want to be a doctor, 
there are things that you're going to have to do. But then there's all these other unspoken things and ways that we put ourselves in these boxes, like I mentioned. And it's just the opportunity to examine and identify the extent to which you align with those things or whether there's a more expansive point of view. And of course, there's going to be probably less of a roadmap because fewer people are making that decision. A good example of this for me is that I literally don't know a single person in my personal life that I can name off the top of my head who is doing full-time content creation. It did and still is requiring a lot of work, I guess. Work isn't the right word, but effort to see myself outside of a traditional career path. And there are a lot of moments where I feel discouraged because I don't have that many examples of success and I really don't know if I'm going to have that for myself, but it's really worth it to me to have the freedom to see that for myself and to experiment. And it's never to guarantee that if you put yourself outside of the box that you're going to succeed. I think sometimes we get fed that idea that, you know, just go beyond the confines of normal life and you will succeed. Quit your job and you will succeed. It's not to say that. It's to say that you can allow yourself to experience life for yourself. So rather than being told, oh, there's no way you could have that career path because of X, you can actually try it. And that's something that I've always realized is really important to me is, okay, if I'm going to fail, I want to see that for myself. I could go on forever about different ways that we put ourselves into a box, but I'm going to share two more because they're very specific and applicable to me. One of them being in the way that we relate to, let's say, our spiritual life. And for me, I think when I initially started exploring health and wellness and spirituality, I felt Like I had to once again really put myself fully into that niche to explore every single facet and modality of spirituality and to not engage with certain behaviors and to engage with certain behaviors. And I started to realize that that was once again just becoming an identity. There... Eckhart Tolle talks about this in that book. um, I think it's called The New Earth. He talks about how sometimes when we are going down a spiritual path, we think that we are, you know, dissolving our ego, but really we're just attaching our ego to a new identity. And that new identity is spirituality and being someone that's spiritual. And once again, there's this element of judgment towards people who aren't in that category and this sense of superiority of, oh, your friends haven't had their awakening yet. They don't understand you. And that just never, that just always bothered me because we're all on a separate path and we're all on different points. And it's really not to say that any one point on that path is better than the other. But I think when we put ourselves into a certain box and start to really identify with the people in that box, we can very quickly start to make assumptions about people who are not in that category. The last thing that I want to touch on when it comes to putting yourself in a box is another big way that we do this. And I'm, again, not saying that this is a bad thing, but something that we can simply examine the extent to which it supports us and makes us feel in alignment is the advice that is typically given with respect to business or content creation is that you absolutely must choose a niche. What I will say is for me, I believe that because I started off 
in a niche, I was able to grow through that. But there did reach a certain point where I felt as though my creativity was at its limits, at its outer limits. And I really just felt a little bit more resentful towards sticking in that niche. And I wanted to expand, but I simply felt as though I had internalized this narrative that it was almost scary for me to go beyond that niche because, you know, there's all these messages that I, you know, internalized about what that would mean and how you need to do X in order to be successful. The thing to consider when it comes to success, because it is subjective, is that it can look different for each one of us. And while the version of success that may or may not result from having a niche may not be sustainable for you in the long term, because it is it something that you really see yourself talking about for the rest of your life? Maybe it is, because I certainly know much like folks who have that singular career path that they're super excited and passionate about, people who could talk about a certain niche for the rest of time. I'm not one of those people. I think any topic that I spend too long in, it feels stale to me and it feels forced. And I like a much more organic approach where maybe this week I feel like talking about this topic and maybe next week I feel like talking about this topic and there's space for me to do that and there's space for me to flow between whichever chapter I am feeling you know like I want to share. So I already have kind of talked about this throughout the episode but I just want to re-articulate what can happen when we put ourselves in a box and once again I recognize that there can be safety and benefits like anything it's not black or white but the word that many of you responded to when I asked on Instagram this question of what does it mean to you to be in a box and of course we're not talking about a physical box we're talking about generally the constraints that we place on ourselves or that others place on us because of being in a certain category or identity And one of those things was claustrophobic. When we find ourselves in a position where we have kind of decided what's possible for us and what isn't, or that's been decided for us by our caretakers or our friends or our peers, society, etc., we can have this experience of actually feeling anxiety and just tension Because we maybe feel as though we are pressing on the outer limits of the box, meaning we feel like we want to expand beyond it. However, we're so scared of what that would mean for us, whether it's a loss of love or approval or acceptance of others. And even though we may have that desire to grow beyond whatever it is that we're feeling limited or confined by, that fear can keep us in that place, which can make us feel very claustrophobic and make us feel as though we can't escape. Especially if we've never been shown examples of folks who have gone beyond the limit that we are experiencing, whether that's from a career perspective or, you know, when it comes to things like university or just generally life paths and life decisions that we feel limited by, but we feel as though we have to make them because that's what's expected of us. And we fit into this box in this category that has a certain set of rules attached to it. I know speaking to some people in the younger generation, my brother is about 18. And so, you know, talking to people like him and people in his age group about this growing pressure to go to university, but at the same time, there being so much more 
options now in terms of career with the internet and with different ways of educating yourself, but still feeling as though there's such a high expectation to go down that same path. And I think that same mentality and that same thought process can apply to so many different decisions that we feel we need to make. Another example, I know I've seen a lot of discourse about this online about whether or not people want to have children and there's a certain expectation that that's what you do. However, there is a lot more dialogue happening surrounding different alternatives. So I think ultimately what we can ask ourselves is although being in a certain box or a certain identity and having the benefit of community perhaps or a clear-cut path to success or whatever the benefit may be, is there a loss of freedom as a result of being in that box fully and it's not to say that we have to walk away from every single thing that we know to be familiar it's simply asking if we can make it our own and someone said something that I want to read that was so lovely and I had never thought about it this way okay so this person said I have always struggled to find a box that fit every part of me Lately, I've been reframing to think of a more organic soft shape that shifts and grows and expands as I do. It's helpful when the self-doubt creeps in around trying something new or changing my opinion after learning more. And then they went on to say, the goal changes from finding something that you fit yourself inside to expanding yourself in the areas that excite you. Making your shape bigger means you're growing like rings on a tree. I just love this response. It made me feel really cozy and safe. And it's not to say that we have to let go of all the safety and security and comfort that we have from being in a box. It's simply to say that we can allow that to grow and expand into our own kind of shape. And yeah, just make it our own and find the things that we want to expand into and just create a shape that is completely our own. Okay, and I'll read out a couple more responses. One says, I go through phases of it. Sticking to an aesthetic has been my downfall. Another one, I found so much safety and security in the box I was in that I forgot to live. Another one, I absolutely hate them and I want to be an individual. Someone said, I come back to long enduring narratives to check if they are still serving me. This one I really like as well because... Once again, it's that process of just checking in and not always feeling like we have to abandon everything that brings us comfort, but just kind of checking in and questioning these things. Another one said, I think it can be extremely limiting if that box isn't exactly what you want to do and be. And the reality is, is that because these boxes are created quite often based on collective archetypes of what it means to be successful or whatever that may be, quite often the box isn't going to be exactly what we want it to be and so like this one person said we can make it our own all right folks well that brings us to the end of the episode i hope that you enjoyed this one i really loved it and i'm really looking forward to continuing to invest more of my time and energy into this podcast so expect to see lots of q a's on my instagram stories and i really love hearing from you all and having your input because it really helps me to formulate my thoughts as I jump into recording. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week.